ain't ever gonna stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here oh, yeah. we go again. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC fight night between Nazardine Imavov and Roman Dolidze. Um, and man, there is a lot to unpack there with this main event and everything that went down. Uh, then we are going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night main event between Jack Hermanson and Be Like Joe Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in honor of Super Bowl week, we will give you guys our dream uh, Super Bowl style, we'll call it, MMA cards. And as always, and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys... How we doing? Episode 169 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or of course, as some people are calling it, the number of seconds it took Mighty Mouse Johnson to beat Henry Cejudo episode of the Neon Belly Podcast, mm. uh, but that's neither here nor there. Either way, we're just glad you're listening. I'm feeling pretty good. I just telling John, I had a whole McDonald's sweet tea before I came in here, <laughs> yeah. like down the whole thing. Feeling jacked. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty pretty jittery right now. You might you might end the episode standing up just talking into <laughs> the microphone. Yeah, I don't know. Sweet tea. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, I, like I, I had a, a day yesterday of my heat going out, so that was sweet. Mm. Uh, but it did come back. That's good. Um, it's all about the rebound. Yeah, all, it's all about the all rebound. all about the comeback. Uh, I decided to just, instead of uh, spiraling of how cold it was, I decided to get some things done. So that was nice, giving me something to distract myself because I had to keep moving to stay warm. There you go. And uh, yeah, but we're here today and the sun's shining, so let's go. Mm. Well, let's go, boys. Lots to get to today and we're going to cram it all in uh, in a, hopefully an hour and 15 or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as always, before we get to our recap, Brandon. Rate, sub, follow, let the people know what we ask them to do each and every week. Each and every week, we ask you guys to give us some follows on all our different social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, we're on YouTube now, we've got some shorts, we've got uh, stuff on X, you can also catch us on iTunes, we have our pod on there, Spotify, you can give us five star, and give us a written review as well on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can catch us on all those platforms, just continue to try to grow and spread our our product and what we're trying to do, we're just trying to spread the love of the sport man and what we mm-hmm. what we do every every week we come in here give you guys some recaps also talk about what's coming up and just spread spread the spread the knowledge and again just have some fun so we're just trying to get that tossed around so just give us give us some some love so yeah at neon belly because we built this city on rock and roll we did mm-hmm. we did <laughs> i don't know we're, why that just came we're to dip set. as as Brandon, that was so inspiring the sweet tea's doing something I, yeah because the whole time you were going there i just started hearing we built this city <laughs> i wanted to jump in with the <gasps> we built this city dun, dun. Yeah. yeah i just kept hearing that the whole time uh somebody else that's building a city out there in petty boys mm-hmm. from this past saturday in our main event at the apex nazardine Imavov defeats Roman Dolidze via unanimous decision. Um, and as we were just talking about, I mean, where to even begin here? Uh, just a lot to dissect and get into with this fight alone. Um, I thought this fight, first off, has to be said, was all Nazardini Imavov. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just not enough from Dolize on the feet. Um, and it was all a bit too easy for Amavov in that department, if we're being honest. Uh, Dolize did look dangerous every time this fight hit the canvas and in, in all those mm -hmm. scrambles, um, but he just didn't have that element of his game yet um, of having a consistent or efficient way of getting the fight down when he needs to. Yeah. Um, so Imavov cruised through about four and a half uh, minutes of this fight, four and a half rounds, excuse me, um, and then halfway through the fourth round, Imavov lands an illegal kick uh, to Delize from the exact position that we were just talking about after uh, UFC 297 with Arnold Allen and mm -hmm. uh, Mavzar Ivloyev. Um, Delize was standing bent over with one hand on the mat, um, and Imavov very blatantly uh, just again, man, you go back to like the Aljo Piotr on, like, why? Why? Mm -hmm. You're looking at it. Like, what is Like, uh, which, again, you know, I don't know. I just don't even know why you risk it there. Um, and then things kind of almost get out of hand, you know, as Imavov and Chris Curtis, who was in Dalide's corner, kind of mm -hmm. got into it. Obviously, Imavov caught Chris Curtis with an eye poke in their fight, um, and which ended that fight as well. Um, but after the dust kind of settled, man, Roman Dolize, what a dog, gets <laughs> back up to his feet and said, let's go, baby. I mean, dude, could have ended the fight. I'm pretty sure Nazardini Mavov's toe went into his eyeball. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, uh-uh, we're going. Mm -hmm. um, and way to put those Georgian balls on the line by Dolize. I don't know how... Any fight fan after that can not have respect or be a fan of this guy moving forward. Mm -hmm. He could have easily stayed down in a fight that he was losing. I right. mean, that has to be mentioned as well. It's not like he probably had a lot of confidence um, that he was maybe ahead on the scorecards, like, let's just get through one more round. I mean, he was losing almost every minute of this mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. Could have taken the no contest. Um, so let's start, though, with the illegal kick. Your guys' thoughts, because please... California Athletic Commission, <laughs> get this out of our sport. I am just, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm so over yeah. it. So it's kind of interesting because watching it live, in my head, that rule had already been switched. So I was like, why are they freaking out? This is like okay now. This is legal. Then I was mm -hmm. like, well, wait a second. That has not even completely taken form yeah. yet. And so then looking at the the kick itself, like, like you said, man, it, sometimes I feel like you can get away with, well, okay, we're in front head. I, I can't really tell where his hands are at. You know, I was a little unsure. In this instance, like you said, Imalbov had clear eyesight of where Delize was at, where his hand was at, the position he was in, and just threw the kick in anyway yeah. i don't have any like explanation <laughs> no. for that other than he was just so confident with what he was doing yeah. all across the board that you know sometimes stuff just kind of flies like that's the only thing but like as far as it, to me yeah it was just inexcusable as far as the optics you could tell where delizze was it wasn't very close in terms of what he saw mm -hmm. um so i don't have a good explanation and then you tack on the chris curtis stuff and it's just like man that's that's a tough one yeah yeah, it's interesting, too, because he had landed a kick like that earlier in the fight up against the cage, yeah. and it landed flush, so he's probably thinking, you know, go back to the well, but... I think he did it again in the fifth round, too. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it was it was one of those things where the even the commentators were like, no, no, no that stop. one was okay, but this one definitely seems like one of the more blatant ones, because it looked like he kind of looked over his he shoulder. Did. He literally, like, like All right. looked so over. The only, <laughs> the only type of rationale I could come up with is maybe he thought, if he sees this kick coming, he's going to lift his hand and try to block it. But instead, obviously, we have what happened. Um, and, you know, even to go to your point about with Dolidze, as far as, like, uh, maybe getting some confidence, they took a point away immediately. It wasn't yeah. just a warning. Um, as they should have, because right. it was very blatant. Yeah, and, I mean, that changes. I mean, the fight wasn't going for Roman's way at all, but that doesn't <laughs> obviously doesn't help anything at all, yeah. um, taking an illegal strike like that. Um, but, like you said, I think that, you know, 
the commissions are starting to see how much this is really messing up fights, messing up main events, especially, or, you know, big fights and big situations. So hopefully they rectify soon. Well, the problem is, you know, like Brandon, as a, somebody spectating and somebody we just talked about this last week, you're like, wait, this is clearly we're good here. Mm. Imagine being the guy in the cage that has to, point zero three seconds to make that decision right Mm -hmm. um i know he looked at him which is a little bit more frustrating but you also have to give sympathy of like we just need consistency across the board no matter where a ufc fight takes place like this position's got to stop me Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's ruined a title fight in Piotr Jan and aljamain sterling um arguably kind of messed up arnold allen mobs a bit which is a, a big can yeah i mean i mean that's a big number one contender potentially out here you know you got two contenders here in the middleweight division i mean it's just we got it's got to stop i mean and there needs to be something that's like in my opinion just like i said just get this position out of the sport altogether or at least don't not the position just making it in a legal way like it can be so clear and obvious elbow knee down can't hit them if they're bent over like that sorry about it get out like Mm -hmm. just you got because it's gonna force that guy that's not a good great grip good position to be in yeah, to begin with it, you need to make a decision it's, yeah. it's a bad the guy got himself the fighter is in a bad spot they mm-hmm. need to work themselves out they can't just stand there on a hand um and not get hit mm-hmm. anyway so i think it's going to make the sport better make it more, more entertaining you can't just stall out in that position um i, I do want to get to the win in a sec for imavov but uh also about the win in general uh one judge scoring this a draw, which I thought was very interesting, um, because of the one point taken. Mm-hmm. Um, they and that judge, I believe, did score um, that round for Dolize, so it made it like a ten eight for Dolize. Then they gave Dolize round two, uh, which I'm which I'm okay um, with giving Dolize round two. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. there was just nothing just in that cage round. Control. And if nothing else, yeah, I mean, I hate giving it for control. We all know the story. That's not what wins fights anymore. Um, but there just wasn't much offense mm-hmm. from either guy. So I, I am okay. I think every judge actually gave uh, Dalidze round two, if I believe. But yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, there was no doubt that Nazardini Mava. I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on, like, did you, did you feel going to the scorecard? Like, oh boy, could be looking at a draw here or maybe even you know, a Dolize win because of the point deduction. Well, what was funny is if you go back to our group chat, I said, oh, is this a 2-2 fight, LOL, thinking like, who knows what, you know, these refs are thinking. Like, I don't know how round one isn't 10-8. Yeah. Um, which could have, which I guess getting the point away, if you did give him round four, that offsets that. That's and, what I thought. If nothing else, that first round, I mean. Right. No, for me, it was the same way. I had no no indication to me that a Dolize was coming away with this win. Like, to me, it was only Mavov. Like, it, there was no reason for, I couldn't see a draw i don't think that makes any sense so mm. no, that i mean all the i mean the scores were just progressively just like okay huh? all right you know i get that one yeah. so um but yeah i mean unless you know you talked about how we we know that this doesn't work anymore in terms of cage control and clinch stuff evidently one of the judges still uh lives in that world mm. yeah i mean just what a mess that could have been had this have ended in a draw i mean thank god i mean <laughs> just adding more on mm-hmm. top of what was already kind of a wild little uh ending there but all the drama aside and when the dust settles um what a win for nazardini mavov who needed this bad as we mm-hmm. mentioned 
rough 2023 um, with the loss to Sean Strickland and then the no contest with Chris Curtis. Um, and this is a big win to start his year. And I thought, just an, like I said, absolute flawless performance. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add about the performance there from Imavov, anything that stood out. Um, but I thought he just really just looked a level above Naz- uh, Dolize in this fight. Yeah, no, especially like halfway through round one. It was every, anytime Imavov started to throw his hands at all, it was just kind of like, oh no, here we go. How's this going to go? Because yeah. he just pretty much landed at will when he wanted to. And it, he was such a, I think you even spoke to it last week, just the technicality with his strikes in comparison to Leeds. It just, yeah. like, just completely above um, where Leeds was, and just Leeds had no answer, no way to keep up, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it was it was a fantastic performance on the feet, especially for Imavov. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not even a critique as much, but and it's more toward Roman Delize just being so tough because it felt like there was so many. There was probably three or four moments like, okay, he's on his way out. He's eating body, leg kick, head kick, punch. He's eating so much stuff. Like mm-hmm. this is coming to an end. Um, and I think uh, you know maybe just a little bit of. Um, you know, working on seeing some things a little bit earlier, he probably could have got him out of there because it seems like he kept on going for that right hand that Delize was just kind of ducking under and getting to that clinch position and holding up against the cage. Um, I mean, there was a scary moment there when Roman kind of jumped down on the leg, and that that scramble was really fun. But I think once again, Nazardine just showed that next that he has that level of grappling that if you can't get to, I mean, even if you can get to the positions you like, he can find his way out. And I thought he did a really good job of that. And I feel like we're going to get Imavov versus Extreme Couture, the quadrilogy fight, uh, because he did call out, number one, Sean, Sean Strickland directly for a rematch in his post-fight. But, man, given all that cage-side drama, everything that went down there, him and Chris Curtis clearly have some unfinished business there. Mm-hmm. Let's just run that back. Yeah, I mean, I, I see no reason why... Uh, you don't do that, you know, just do that fight again. But that would be funny because I would love to know if any UFC past or, or a former has guy has ever fought uh, somebody from the same team four times straight. <laughs> yeah. I Maybe mean, back in like the early days when there was like the Lions Den and like one other team. I'm trying to think what was like another one of those like old school, the Militich and yeah. Lions yeah. Den. Like maybe back then because there just wasn't a lot of gyms. But like, man. I feel like, um, I feel like Hinnon or Aldo beat a, a decent amount of people from Alpha Male just because those being smaller guys or something. But maybe, um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. He could even go to another level of it and say somebody like a, a Marvin Vittori if he wins his fight. Like Imavov is obviously mm-hmm. moving up because too, yeah. you know, like I said last week, how they were booking Roman Dolize, they seen him as a Jared Cannonier, uh, Derek Brunson type of challenger. Well, they were already using the cage side stuff. Like, after the fight, they're not showing any highlights from the fight. They were showing highlights from Chris Curtis and Imavov's <laughs> argument. So, yeah. they're literally already using that drama here at the end of this fight where it's like, yeah, you already are going to use the tape, like the footage. It'll help build the fight. Mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be interesting. It'd be a fun build. Mm-hmm. Probably it'll be a main or co-main on a fight night, which we know at this point, given the fight night we're going to talk about, you know, pick uh, for here is... They could use some interesting yeah. fight night. Might stories. even go to Paris or something and use them for that. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it'd be big. You got fighters. Surreal isn't it'd booked be, right now, so yeah. Um, 
before we move on, though, I do one thing on Delize. Um, I know we talked a bit about Delize's inability to get the fight down, but I do think that's something that he's going to have to work on mm-hmm. moving forward and needs to. I know he's kind of made his way with the big knockouts and the big power, but man, the stuff Delize is capable of on the ground is so high level, and he showed it off again here. Um, and it's something that I think utilized properly with the striking and with his power could really set him apart mm-hmm. in this division. And if he could find a way uh, to get his fights there consistently, I think it would really change the game for him because um, he's not... Uh, like a big like technical technician on the feet like an Imavov, uh, but if he can use the threat of the power and get guys moving backwards to set up takedowns or get him on the cage. I mean, dude, even when he had Imavov on the cage, like not even level changing to try mm-hmm. to get to the, I mean, just nothing, just kind of stapled him there, right? I mean, he's a, clearly a big, strong guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he can, if he learns like a couple of, you know, little takedowns or trips off the cage, um, there just aren't many guys, I think, in this division who that could hang with him. Maybe like a Paul Craig, uh, who's a new addition to 85, mm-hmm. maybe is a guy that could. Um, but right now, you know, he's just almost relying on guys to take him down um, to get to the ground. And that's kind of what happened in the Hermanson fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what we saw here in this fight a couple, um, which is almost what led to the illegal kick. He was kind of baiting Imavov mm-hmm. to take him down. I mean, Imavov was doing a good do- job of kind of shucking to get to the back there. Mm-hmm. Uh but Dolidze, I think, knew what he was doing. He wasn't exactly defending it really hard. I think he wanted Imavov to initiate the grappling and maybe try to create scrambles. Um, but I just think to compete at this level, he needs to find a way to dictate where the fight goes, in my opinion. Yeah, and his coaches were even yelling for it. You know, use your wrestling. We have to wrestle. Like yeah. You have to do something because what you're doing isn't working as far as, um, you know, trying to just throw big shots and, you know, not using – a better setup. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, you know, ironically enough, another person that we're going to be talking about later has a similar issue with Jack Hermanson, where it's like, mm-hmm. you do have really good grappling, but the wrestling isn't there and your striking isn't clean enough to deal with the top of the division, even though your jujitsu could. So, yeah. And I really just, do, I have a tough time understanding it. And Paul Craig, like said, the same problem with him in terms of the ability to get the fight to the ground. Once it's there, it's off. It's very apparent, like the skills that he possesses, but I just don't understand like a, a small level change. I'm not saying it's easy to to um, completely execute that in a in a fight against the cage against mm-hmm. a professional fighter, but it you could at least attempt it. Attempted, there was yeah. not even any attempt. He did once after the illegal kick. They reset, and I think he was just pissed. And yeah, he came after Imavov like like, like a banshee and stayed, put him on the cage, which is. With what I'm saying, like threatening that power, he will get guys moving backwards. Mm-hmm. Got him there, and he did go for the level change. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, Nazardine, like as soon as it was defended, he just kind of well, hit him with an elbow it. too. Yeah, he did yeah. get teed off. But but yeah, that's I don't th- rounds one through four and a half, <laughs> just <laughs> nothing. nothing in and, terms. And multiple times, like you, ha- if you have an over under, even from there, I can understand. Okay, like it's not super easy to drop yeah. down, change levels. There was multiple times where he had double underhooks, mm-hmm. and there was still mm-hmm. no level yeah. change. And I just don't. I don't get it. And well, he was so successful off of two guard pulls. Yes. At that. And like, so you know you can do it. You just get, these are other ways to get to the ground, man, that are much safer. And Eric Nixick in his corner begging him and literally said it a couple of times, trust your wrestling, um, which kind of tells me, you know, he's showing it in the gym. Um, but something there in that performance last night, you know, I know, I think it was DC said, you know, maybe he's just feeling something that we don't know mm. that, but 
Eric Nixick was telling him, trust your rep. I think every round he kept saying, get this guy down, mm-hmm. trust your rep. And he right. just wasn't attempting anything. Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of an interesting thing for Delize there because I do still think the ceiling's high for him. But, dude, like, and again, I get, you know, we hear, talk about all the time guys fall in love with knocking people out. But, man, you really, and if you're Delize, you really have something here with this grappling. Mm-hmm. They were talking about he does, like, they said in training, he's like catching guys in like De La Hiva, K-Guard. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't stuff that people in MMA really do. You right. Know? Like, well, he did it in the Hermanson fight, exa- K-Guard and yes, all that. Yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like, dude, if you're this, if your guard is this good, um, yeah, forget this knockout stuff, man. Like, well, especially <laughs> when you have 10 minutes of control time on the cage where, yeah. you know, you have to. I mean, there's there's times where he was on his side, almost toward his back. Like, yeah. you got to have trips or something else in your bag. Well, and how he finished Jack Hermanson, like, you, you don't. That's not an accident. Like, no. like, there's a reason we've never seen that because that's just a high level. Kind of like he was setting that up when he was holding on to mm-hmm. the leg like that, yeah. and Nazardine turned away. I think that's what he was wanting for yeah. sure. Because I don't think he ever really thought um, the heel hook was never really in on Nazardine. Mm-hmm. I think he was kind of baiting him to turn and escape out, which is what Hermanson did, and right. I think he was going to look for it as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just kind of an observation there. But man, what a win! Uh, for Imov, I've really just blown away, and I I feel like he's back. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that was like I said, a rough rough year last year, but what we saw last night is kind of the hype that I think um, everybody else kind of felt or sensed from him. Uh, and let's get into the co-main because we got another guy uh, who's all hype right now, <laughs> and I'm absolutely loving it. Hanato Moicano, money Moicano, baby, defeats Drew Dober via. Unanimous decision, and man, what a fight. I had it 1-1 going into the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave Moicano round one and Dober round two. Uh, I believe the judges had it the same way as well. Um, even in round two, despite Moicano having so much control time in that round, I thought the damage Dober inflicted after the lateral drop was significant enough to take the round. Um, and then in round three, man, Dober trying that lateral drop again. And credit to Moicano. You know, I, I see a lot of people like, oh, Dober went for it again. Like, why would you do that? I do understand that argument and true. Um, but despite Moicano, who looked absolutely gas, mm-hmm. I mean, that's fight IQ, man. And it yeah. was a he made the read, defended it, um, and then grinded out the round on top, uh, which won him the round and ultimately the fight. Uh, but your guys' thoughts on Money Moicano, who... That was his return, if you remember, after over a year. Um, and he has now two consecutive wins over top 15 opponents. So it was a good win. Obviously, he controlled the majority of the fight. Um, the second round was the only one where he didn't come out on top in terms of winning the round. Um, but I, it's tough because I don't want to take credit. I don't want to take anything away from Moicano because it looked fantastic. But I was really impressed with Dober, to be honest, on the ground. Like in my head, like when we did the the preview for this fight, if this fight got to the ground, it was going to be a rough, rough outing for Dober. And if he got to the back, especially, I mean, how much did we talk about all the rear naked choke victories Moicano mm-hmm. has? And it just seemed to me like there wasn't a ton of of offense once he hit the ground there was there was some punches here and there little ones but it was just a majority control time and maybe that's just dober's like super explosive and has really underrated jiu-jitsu maybe that's you know you've got a year-long layoff and like this is a lot of just kind of breaking some rust off things like that but again i can't take anything away he came out with a win so it was a good victory but i was honestly just kind of impressed with the the back and forth on the ground and the guard work from dober to kind of make it a little more of a dogfight than what we maybe expected when it hit once it hit the ground um, and like you said, credit to the to Moicano for the fight IQ as well and making the read for that second lat drop and kind of initiating that over under. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, man, you know, uh, last week when I talked about Moicano, one of the things I brought up is 
that heart. Uh, he got stung early by Drew Dober. Uh, learned a big lesson in, oh, I don't want to be here. Immediately started going for single legs. And, and he's one person that, you know, we can say, unlike a Roman Delize, he does have the wrestling chops to get down. And somebody who's not easy to necessarily get down and keep down. And I think that, um, you know, another thing too, though, for Drew Dober is when you do that lockdown position, there's really nothing either one of you are going to be able to do until somebody lets up. Yeah, you're not really that. It's a stall position. That, that was kind of thing. Like, yeah, I mean, Dober has, dude, dude, Dober's calves are probably like mine and oh, John's dude. combined. I mean, that yeah. dude's got some trunks, It's a bear trap dude. when that thing's. Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting out of lockdown, but at the same time, like, you're also not really going to get up either yeah. from lockdown. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, but in MMA, that's going to be tough when the guy can punch you. Yeah, you'd have to control yeah. his arms too if you wanted to get stood up. So I yeah. felt like, uh, and then uh, the, other th- the other thing that was kind of n- interesting is in the third round where, you know, they end up, they get on the ground and Moicano just lands in half guard and immediately they're like, all right, you got to work or we're standing this mm-hmm. up. I thought that was a little bit, you know, I understand it's not the most appealing thing optic wise but these are also positions that you got to work out of and they just landed in this position or lockdown isn't on moicano to necessarily i mean he can try to get his leg out which he did but all he can really do is throw punches until drew dober lets up or even a close guard so i think a little bit that goes both ways but i thought moicano showed a lot of heart like you said the fight iq he's not somebody you're going to be able to go to the well on something like a lateral drop more than once um but yeah a huge win for him and best post fight uh interview we've had all year yeah i'm glad you know said it last week but i'm glad that it was a grappling heavy approach you know uh unless you're like a matt provola Fervola or say uh benoit saint denis you know it's just not worth it mm-hmm. to strike with uh drew yeah. dober um it did seem as john kind of said though in round one i thought moicano was gonna try to stand it seemed like he wanted to mm-hmm. but i think as soon as he felt that power he knew it wasn't gonna happen son <laughs> Uh, and, you know, one thing I mentioned last week in the breakdowns that I saw in watching Moicano uh, in the lead up to this fight was those takedowns specifically from that body lock position. And I thought he put that on great display here in this fight. I really think that's going to be a big tool for him moving forward, mm-hmm. especially mixing it in with the striking, because I do think we're going to see more striking and growth from Moicano in the future, because not everybody's going to be a true Dober. <laughs> right. You just want nothing to do with on mm-hmm. the feet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and if you're money Moicano, Kano, man, and you're looking up the rankings, there's a lot kind of to pick from in opponents. Um, and I think with Moicano, you got to be looking up. We're money talk, right? We're looking oh, yeah. up. We ain't looking back, son. Uh, you got Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner, and Benil Dariush. All three names inside the top 10 and unbooked right now. Um, Hooker, I believe, is still injured, but depending on timelines and how active Moicano wants to say, it could still be an option. Uh, but any of those stand out for you guys as good next opponents. And I will add, he did specifically call out Benny last night on X after the fight but I also think he called out everybody I mean I don't I don't think he has stopped tweeting since that fight and I'm here for it uh, the guy wants to be SWAT he yeah wants to be, I think he yeah. did I think he did call out uh, Dan Hooker as well in one of those tweets I don't know but any Jalen Turner Benil Dariush Dan Hooker I think of the three Benil would be the most it'd be the the biggest jump for him obviously in terms of ranking but also I think that's a great matchup for him in terms of the grappling stuff that it would mm-hmm. that would it, that yeah. it would uh, propose um, Turner I feel like would be a tough matchup for him honestly I just think with the size he's a tough matchup for anybody yeah. um, but between the three I would I would either lean Benil or Hooker I think Hooker would be a good matchup for him as well 
Yeah, I like Benny um, for the same reasons. I think just both being uh, well-rounded and that that chess match would be fun. The hooker one would be fun because that's just two dogs in a cage. Like they might bloody. They might both be missing a limb by the end of the fight because that's just how they are. So that the hooker one would be interesting as well. Um, I mean, even Turner though, because Turner's had issue with guys who can grapple him as well. So I'd be interested to see if he can find a way, you know, kind of out of that. Mm -hmm. And he's such a nice guy and tweeting so much last night. He even uh, took the liberty of booking Drew Dober's next fight um, and tweeted that he wanted to see Dober versus Patty Pimblett uh, because, quote, let's see how tough that effort is in Mm. reference to Patty. That's funny. I didn't know he did that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not many guys, uh, you know, sitting there calling out for their opponent's next fight, but (laughs) especially when you beat them. That's Uh, a good one for Dober, too. Yeah, no, I agree. It'd be great. Yeah, it could be a great bounce back. Um, And as John mentioned, you know, also just – Another uh, five star post fight there from Waikano. So yeah, something about his sixteen year old, sixty two year old dad just had a baby. Six two. Uh, then his wife told his wife he's coming home so Wakanto they can make another Junior baby. Number three or whatever. So he then went straight into saying he wanted to join the SWAT team after his fighting career just to kill bad guys. I'm sure I'm missing. Keep more. America great. He says he wants to be an American citizen. I mean, just, fix the problems. I mean, and it was just one thing. I mean, this all just ran together. There was no DC. Then him and Connor thing. on Twitter as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Just uh, yeah, just uh, he's. Yeah, plugged, plugged his YouTube channel. Make yeah. sure everybody go oh, follow yeah. that. Money like, Moicano is money. He uh, is he is what I think a lot of us wish some of these um, foreign guys could turn into once they learn English. As far as just like a personality or somebody who's just like. But isn't it a little better that he doesn't all the way know English? Well, I just like, I, well he has <laughs> enough that you can understand him. We right. I mean, for how long do we go before with Anderson until we could even really understand him? Well, know, so like, talking to one us. thing I noticed um, in the Imavov post fight was he asked for an interpreter in DC. He was like, man, you did our whole interview or mm-hmm. pre-fight interview um, where they speak to the commentators uh, before the fights, like a day or two before the fights. He said, you do their whole pre-fight in English, man. What do you yeah. need an interpreter? Mm-hmm. But um, they said, you know, Imavov's a quiet, shy guy. So I couldn't imagine like if it is English is your second language, you probably don't have the confidence. You don't want to sound silly, sound stupid, or yeah, whatever. Not I, money, unless you're yeah. leaning, yeah, unless you're leaning into it. But yeah. then that's what I think. Like just lean into it. Like obviously, he's like an English speaking person. I think it's hilarious when people are you know let themselves go, let it go. I mean, if even if it's like a little broken, it's kind of more. Fun. Yeah, it's just fun, man. It's I like let it go, man. That's how you really connect and you sell yourself. And Has he always done interviews? like this or has it just been the last couple he's kind of turned up okay that's what i thought um i I mean after especially like kind of after like the rda fight after that he kind of just turned up from there um what i thought was interesting too was you know we had a couple um interesting interviews and situations where things would kind of drag and dc was kind of quick to kind of pull away but when money moicano wants the mic (laughs) you let him get it off (laughs) he just like you said he just dc just like good thing we're on espn plus (laughs) (laughs) i love it uh before we get to the next fight brandon uh, you've almost completely slid out of frame on our camera. Can you mm. line up the edge of that chair with that light switch for me, brother? Come this way. Appreciate it. One of these days, I'm going to get an HDMI because I think if you guys can see yourselves, uh, John's John's chair doesn't roll, so he doesn't move yeah. as much. I just slide down sometimes. Brandon is a roller, son. Yeah, I get <laughs> it. And maybe it's the sweet tea today because you've been pretty yeah. good. It's been good for the past couple of weeks. Uh, but boys, I'm ready to talk about this one. Excited Let's for this go. guy, Randy Ruboy. Round defeats Muslim Salika via first round Yeah, and he can get another uh, little. Uh, yeah, he needs the horn. Yeah, Come he, on. he gets the individualized horn, son. <laughs> uh, 
what a right hand by Rude <sighs> Boy Brown, who I think was kind of struggling early in this fight. I leg was wondering. Too. Yeah, so Likov was having so much success with those leg kicks. I didn't think Brown was going to be able to make it that long in this fight, let alone do what he did. And then, boom, son. Sniper. Finds that right hand, kind of left, left, right, steps off to the left, lands that big right, um, and down goes Solikov. Brown has now won two straight. And something that was a little, I, I don't know why, I just felt like he was having a little bit more struggles in his career. This guy's won six of his last seven, man. Um, so, Randy Brown, man, what's up? Well, they said, he, you know, I didn't even realize when they said he, he came in the UFC at 6-0. and oh. Yeah. So, this whole rest of his record has been in the UFC. You know, you it's don't see crazy. a lot of guys it, who have to do that and can stay up here. You know, a lot of times those guys get cut, have to work their way back, or they never figure it out, but... Um, oh, Jack Della. That was the lone loss. I, was yeah. Yeah, I, know, I know the loss was like against like a credibly like ranked guy, like somebody that it's not too shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But man, another thing about Randy Brown, he did not look like he was in the same weight classes. No, I actually have that in my notes written down is um, we always talk about uh, Jalen Turner making lightweight. I don't know how Randy Brown makes that dude. dude he looked yeah. like a two hundred five. Six, like it was one of those things where it almost felt like, man, he's six three. He almost looked like almost reminded me of like Izzy or something. Six three, really jacked, and somehow you never hear about him missing yeah. weight or having those type of problems. Yeah, um, and he, I mean, when he connects, he uses it, man. Um, yeah. I, I forgot how tall he was. So then when I seen Huge. that discrepancy um, with Solikov being only like 5'11", mm -hmm. uh, you've seen that. And you kind of seen that with the finish where you have Muslim trying to do all those spinning attacks. He times it out, you know, sees him leaning. Um, yeah, man, you just can't be more happy for somebody like him. And then just to put somebody out like that, you don't see him get put out like that. Like yeah. Muslim's a really good striker, right. doesn't put himself in positions to get hit clean like that. Mm -hmm. And when you have that X factor of the reach and just even just the boxing that Randy Brown brings. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, you know, they said that he talked about being mad that he didn't use his jab and other things more in his last fight. Being able to bring that into now and, and capitalize on it is huge for yeah. him. Was Jack Della the last fight? That's his last loss. Okay. Well, I was going to, because I went to go back and watch that fight actually after this one because I wondered what it was. You'd think with a guy as big as he is in this division where his reach is just more of a, not not that it's not a problem. Like you said, he's got six of his last seven, but like you go back to the Jack Della fight and I just wonder kind of what went wrong there because, man, having a reach like that in this weight class and just being as big and strong as he looks, like yeah. you just have to think that that's a massive problem for most guys to figure out. And when he gets going with his hands, man, it's tough to kind of deal with that. And it's interesting too, this punch specifically, Specifically, that that put him away was it almost looked like it didn't really connect that yeah, well. Like it looked like it just kind of grazed off the front. But man, just those are the ones with those long limbs where if you just connect right on the button there, just it shuts the lights off no matter what. And so, yeah, fantastic knockout. It was fun to watch and. My wife, even who isn't a big fight fan, watched it and she got kind of excited and mm -hmm. pumped after seeing it. Like that was kind of cool to yeah. see, just because it was so so flashy. So yeah, very flashy. Yeah, I'd love to see Brown get another shot at a ranked opponent. Mm -hmm. um, I guess they reported after the fight that he said to somebody in the back, I don't know, it was like a reporter or something that uh, he wanted to fight Michael Chiesa next, uh, which I think that's a great yeah. idea. But man. I think, too, him versus Neil Magny, uh, who just got a win two weeks ago, yeah. would also be really fun. It, it is. A, it would be a bit unfair to ask Magny uh, to face another unranked contender who's looking to break in, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I understand if they don't go that route or if even Magny's like, look, dude, you got to give me somebody above me for once, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that matchup would have intrigue to me as well. But I, I like the Kiesa one as well. I think, you know, Kiesa... He is kind of struggling as of late, and but he does occupy a tight top fifteen ranking. So. Is he still? Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
I think he is 15, maybe. That's surprising. Well, and when you look at Randy, his of, of his five loss, we're talking about Jack Della, Vincente Luque, Bilal yeah. Muhammad. He's got, like, two stinkers on his record where, like, guys where it's like— Nico oh. Price and Michael Graves. That's the only two. <clears throat> yeah, so those are, like, yeah, two where it's like, okay, you probably should have beat those guys. But, yeah, man, the he's rest beat, of those names. I mean, he's beat Chaos Williams, uh, Trinaldo. He's beat— he was the one who took out one of the guys who took out Mickey Gall. Like he's he's been in there with some people who he can make his name against. It's just when he's got that opportunity, it's when he's lost. So hopefully, you know, he can kind of turn it around and take this confidence with him because he's exciting to watch, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, next fight, boys. We won't spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to mention Natalia Silva defeating Viviani Ujo via unanimous decision. Um, and the reason that I want to talk because. Natalia Silva, man, extending her career win streak to 11 straight. She is now 5-0 and in the UFC and just beat not only her toughest UFC test, but defeated a woman in Ada Ujo who's been in there with some of the very best in this division, including mm-hmm. the current champion, um, Alexa Garasso. So this is a very big win for Natalia Silva, um, and she just put herself in a great position to kick off this year. And stop asking me. I don't have a crush on her. I just, it's not, I don't. And <laughs> that was off camera stuff. You keep just asking that, and I do not, I'm a married guy, do not have a crush on Natalia Silva, so don't even ask. Who do you want to see her fight next? <sighs> I mean, I think she deserves like a top, definitely a top 10 opponent. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, while you're doing that, I just want to say I thought her striking kind of, I mean, especially those later rounds kind of reminded me how Nazardine looked in the in the main event where it's just you're free, you're kind of throwing what you want, and you're landing kind of whatever you can think of to throw. Um, she just looked like she was on a, playing a different game. Is Macy Barber booked? Yes, I believe so. Mm. Uh Caitlin Chukagian has a fight. I can't remember who Chukagian is. She fighting Barber? Maybe it's Chukagian Barber. I think it's like on three on UFC three hundred. I think maybe. Yeah, I think it is Chukagian Barber. I would one hundred percent give Natalia Silva. Yeah, that's a book fight. I would one hundred percent give Natalia Silva the winner of that fight. I think because um, Andrade, no, she's I, booked. And, and then yeah, she and then but plus like and then the only people above that is Fior Blanchfield, which. Both, you Boat. know, occupied. Valentina, you ain't giving her, you know, mm-hmm. you ain't well, giving her. A little too much. She'll yeah. be fighting. The, I think she's fighting Grasso at the Mexican Independence yeah. card. Yeah, so I think Caitlin Barber winner, perfect fight for Natalia Silva next. I mean, you, she just, I mean, what she just did again to Viviani Ujo. I mean, that that's a, that's a very big win. Yeah. Crazy a build up for the Silvas because you got Karini Silva coming down up there mm-hmm. too. So Brazil's women are starting to make a big comeback. And Brandon, I see you keep looking at me. I don't have a crush. Dude, on I'm just not Stop sure. Stop looking. Like at you me. keep saying that. He's pointing at your ring finger. And I I'm know. Like, yeah, like leave me alone, dude. I know. <laughs> Drop it. Uh, couple, like one more, two more results. I'll say, uh, Charles, <laughs> Chuck Buffalo, baby, <laughs> Radke. I mean, this guy. I, I mean, just first off. What a performance. I mean, jeez Louise. But, uh, yeah, again, not disappointing. I got another guy that never disappoints when he gets the microphone. And we talked about this guy, man, uh, when he came into the UFC. And, and, well, before, really. And we're like, hey, his -hmm. first fight, like, this guy is legit. And I think he showed it here. Um, Shout out to Meatball Molly McCann. Uh, First round submission, uh, armbar broke. Well, it looked like she broke Deanna Belbita's arm. I guess they said it is not broken, but it definitely popped. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was a nasty, nasty armbar by Meatball Molly, who looked great at strawweight, by the way. I thought yeah. physically she looks good. No, I mean, she was so undersized at 25. I think she's definitely, if she can consistently keep making this weight, uh, big things ahead for her. Uh, yeah, that's really the only ones. There was the no contest. 
Mahmoud Muradov mm-hmm. and um, Ali Shaba. These are terrible. I can't do it. <laughs> it's too much. That sucked. Which one of the guys hadn't fought in like five years or something? Not five years. Not that many. Was it Mahmoud? Which one? I know he he's not very active, but he's somebody who gets kind of. I he think stays it was, in the rankings. It was the guy that I poked, the Ali Shock, the Alaskaba or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think he hadn't fought in a while. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, tough go. Literally 11 seconds into the fight, I poke, fight's over. Mm. The uh, story of that, was it Thimba? Grimba? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. His story, I, I mean, I don't know if, have, have you heard much about his story? Well, he is a, he was like homeless, living mm-hmm. in the gym. The Rock just like gifted him a house. Yeah, it was like, they did like a YouTube video. Yeah, it was a, it's a whole big thing. Um, He's, he's trains out of South Africa. Um, So when the whole stuff with DDP came out, he was kind of one of the people who kind of had a comment about it. But his story is really, really crazy. And he had a huge knockout uh, knockout. on the undercard as well. Yep, absolutely. Uh, That is all for our recap, boys. Brandon, update us on our scores. And I love that little smile he just gave. This is just disheartening. I love that little (laughs) smile that Brandon just gave. As soon as as I said, scuff. I said, scuff. Yeah. I didn't even say scores. I almost didn't update him last night. I thought, Mad I was. Oliver, you do it. (laughs) All right. Listen. All right. Okay. So once again, Brandon came away with no points. So I'm still sitting at negative two. And and, okay. I'm not going to keep going. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get to it in a minute. So Nate came away with four points. John, you had one. So you guys are both tied at 10. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's say this. Like, first off, I'm in my bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, very lucky he got a three-point buffer to kick off this year, or this thing would already, I'd already be blown away with this thing. I mean, I'm like dialed like laser eyes right now, mm-hmm. baby. Um, what's the X-Men's guy with the... Cyclops. Yeah, that's like me right now watching <laughs> these fights, baby. I mean, I'm just calling them right as I see them. Um, John, uh, John did is still going to be a thing, okay? Because mm-hmm. I know. Um, but John to go over 13 and I mean, that was just that nobody until somebody does more. That's one bad luck day. John did. He's got is, two cars. Listen, we're going to get to him in a All minute. Right. John, we're going to be fair. Equal opportunity on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> John did is still a thing. You, you go over for a week. It's John did you John did. Um, but I was thinking about this because in soccer, uh, there's this thing, right? Uh, every team in the English premier league, you face, uh, every team twice in a year. And if you mm-hmm. beat them twice, it's called doing the double. Um, so from here on out, uh, doing the Brandon yeah. is two <laughs> weeks, no points. Uh, this is unprecedented, folks. I have never, uh, we've never seen this ever. Um, this is bad, Brandon. You know, and, To and, be fair. No, 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 we're not going to be fair. No, well, well, you, you just are, said well, we, equal opportunity. We are going to be fair. fair. We yeah. are going to be fair because gave John a lot of grief, a lot of grief. Um, we are in January. We are done with the first month, and you are still negative. Fair enough. Uh, you did start in a negative deficit, but and only three only, points. And we've only picked for <laughs> five fights. And to, the only five fights in total have actually happened okay, that, that we picked for. Fair enough. 15, 15, so, so. so out of 15 points, you couldn't even come up with three <laughs> to get out of a negative deficit. It's, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those was a pay-per-view where there was like 12 points or something. No, like. no, absolutely not. Oh, no, you did get no. a point. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, man, like... I'll say this, Brandon. I felt like 
your picks this past week were garbage. Um, what? I mean, okay, hang I, on. I will give you the main event because I was really conflicted with Dolidze Imavov. I was like, man, I could see that being a toss-up, so I get that. I feel like you going, when you said Drew Dober, that felt like when John was in that slump where he would Explain like say why. a pick. Hold Explain on, I will, that. I will, hold okay. on. And like, we were like, me and you were looking at it like, what is John thinking here? Yeah. When you said Drew Dober, I'm like, this isn't Brandon. I feel like me and you are pretty aligned in how we see things. And I feel like the Drew Dober pick goes against a lot of kind of like what you usually look for. I said that. And I said as much. I said I usually lean yeah. like grapple head. So are you like wrestling. in your own head at this point? I, I think, think a little bit, man. The negative, negative three, I think, is meant a lot more to me than <laughs> yeah. I think I was willing to I should to have admit. the sound clip. Yeah. Oh, well, let's make it more. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for this. 10, 20? What do we want to do? <laughs> but I stood by that. Comeback I, is coming. I, I still stand by that pick, man. I think Dober had good moments on the feet. like And on the ground, man, like even there, uh, Moicano didn't do a ton. Like he controlled the action, but he, it wasn't like he ran through Dober on the ground. I mean, he hey, him Drew down. Dober, great lockdown. I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Did you did you still did you still feel that confident when you seen him post weigh in that picture that yeah because he's got a weird jawline man he's just got cheeks that kind of sink in a little bit I'm just laying out like the same way we had to do with John when we had to have this intervention with John I got (laughs) to do it with you man like I said we keep it even on here Mm -hmm. Um, equal opportunity yeah it Um, doesn't get any better because we only got one fight to pick yeah we only get one this yeah we only (laughs) miss on a fifty fifty call but we do have UFC two ninety eight next week so. Lot to pick from. We got to get you out of this negative deficit, man. And if you go through, you got. I mean, here. We you know how hard it's going to be to even do that with one fight. I know. I'd have to get the three points. <laughs> you might be a turkey to next com- week to get out of the negative deficit. There is a good chance you've got fifty-fifty here because we're really we're only picking for one fight this week. There is a chance Brandon goes three weeks no points. He has a fifty percent chance. Yeah, gonna be honest. It feels a little intentional. I know by your part. I mean, we're only picking for main event this week, guys. I mean, Come, yeah, coming off of the yeah, but I'm just saying. Uh, wow. I mean, doing the Brandon is the new yep. <laughs> the new low. Yep. So here's the thing I will say. We're not going to take away Johnning it, uh, doing Johned it. Um, but uh, doing the Brandon, is uh, that's like DEFCON 5 right now. Yeah. You know, you don't want to go doing the Brandon. Mm-hmm. I, I'd rather Johned it. I've Johned it since you've well, yeah, Johned it. Yeah. 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 I'd rather John it than do the Brandon. <laughs> I, I, well, and listen, it, I get it. And this is the worst part. Like you said, so you've done two weeks in a row, but you can't even like hedge your bets for this card because we're no, only doing no. one. So like to, I have a 50-50 shot to not get to go three weeks in a row um, with, with no, no points. Yeah. And it's not a great fight to do that on. Like we'll yeah. get into it. This we'll see where this goes. Oh, here's the thing, man. I'm in my bag. I missed one fight this whole year. Raquel Pennington and Buena Silva. Everything else, Money Moicano right here, baby. Mm. Let's get to it, boys. <laughs> this Saturday, February 10th from the UFC Apex uh, with a main card start time of 7 p.m. Eastern. Go. Yeah, I know. We'll take <laughs> another it. 7 p.m. Eastern standard card in our main event and in uh, the middleweight division, uh, and if you're keeping score at home, this is the third consecutive uh, ma- middleweight main event. I thought that was maybe that's my problem. <laughs> maybe maybe not, I'm just not, not good. Di- not plugged not, in. Not as dialed in with the middleweights. Yeah, uh, but this main event here is number ten, Jack Hermanson versus Joe Pfeiffer, uh, and we will lead with Joker Jack, who is coming in on a mixed run of form as of late. He is two and three in his last five. And he returns here off his second round TKO loss to Roman Dolidze back in December. Um, and this is a tough, uh, 
tough run, uh, context, everything because of the three losses were, or I said, I mean, context is everything because those three losses were to Vittori Strickland and Olize, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the story of Jack's career. You know, he typically only loses to guys who sit at the top of the division. Um, and for that reason, I think we are going to learn a lot about his opponent, Joe Pfeiffer this Saturday. Um, and this will be a big jump in competition for Joe Pfeiffer who came into the UFC off of Dana White's contender series. Um, and has since rattled off three straight wins and finishes in the UFC. His last win was a second-round arm triangle finish over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan back in October. Um, and, man, what a shot here for Pfeiffer to be unranked mm-hmm. and getting a shot at a top-10 guy. And I find that very interesting, at least from a promotional standpoint, uh, because when you look at another bright young contender in Bo Nickel, who I think we all expected to at least get a ranked opponent next time out, um, but that shows to me that the UFC have a lot of high hopes here or putting a lot of investment or stock into Joe Pfeiffer uh, because there's a big difference between number 10 ranked Jacker Manson and the unranked Cody Brundage, I believe, that Bo yeah. Nickel is fighting. <laughs> and Bo's one fight behind Pfeiffer, to be fair. Like, Pfeiffer's got one more UFC fight. So mm. maybe next time out we'll see Bo if he wins in a ranked opponent or against a ranked opponent. But if nothing else, that is something to look at because here we go. You know, he's getting a number 10 ranked guy. So, uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see your guys' thoughts on this pick. And we will lead with Brandon. Okay. I've thought a lot about this pick because I have to. Don't overthink <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I, not I, might, overthink I might be overthinking it, to be honest. So, okay, here's the deal. Draw. Couple. <laughs> <laughs> no contest. <laughs> All right. So, a cu- couple variables come into this fight. Um, and the big one for me, so this is, like you said, a big jump for Piper. But if you go back and watch his interviews and his fights, he just oozes confidence right and if you look at his fights he's got knockout power in both of his hands he showed the grappling skills in the in the victory we, he had in the arm triangle choke or manson's been finished a few times um so, uh, tiago santos knocked him out carrying a near tko him and so did the most recent one you said uh Dolize. Well, yeah. um he's got he's kind of got a he's well-rounded right because for manson's got decent wrestling decent grappling he's got kind of awkward striking we saw him using the curtis mm-hmm. fight but it's effective um, yeah but it's effective yeah but the consistencies where he's kind of struggled in terms of using a consistent game plan to beat opponents he kind of tends to go where they take him and i feel like in this fight pifer you just you don't want to stand with him and i'm just we still don't quite know yet where his wrestling's really at and where his grappling's really at. But I have confidence in his hands, and I think he's going to get a knockout because that's what he wants. He wants to be the guy with the knockout record in the UFC. So I'm taking Pfeiffer. Second-round knockout. I need three points, okay? Three points You love Jack Hermanson. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm getting in my own head. This is, like, really going against (laughs) what I normally do. I'm taking Pfeiffer. Second-round knockout. Get it done. Three points out of the negative deficit, please. Please. You need it. You need it. All it takes is a Joker Jack win now and bring it in three weeks with no picks. Correct. Uh, Yeah, this is tough because I'm kind of going against something I said after UFC 297 in regards to Mike Malott and Myra Bueno Silva uh, because I said back after both of their losses that we got to start putting some more respect on experience, right? Especially Mm -hmm. in these big fights uh, because Hermanson has almost double the wins as Pfeiffer has fights, which is just crazy difference in terms 
terms of like experience level, right? Um, and that's a big, big difference. And again, especially in five round main events, which is extremely uncharted territory uh, for Joe Pfeiffer, who of his 14 pro fights has only been to a decision and outside of the third round one time. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, what does he look like should things enter those championship rounds? Um, but I'm just not so sure that this matchup is going to need that, right? Those five rounds. You know, I mentioned this being very telling for Pfeiffer from a promotional standpoint, but it's also a bit interesting on the side of Hermanson as well, you know, as this will be his second consecutive fight against a non-ranked opponent, which I find a bit baffling, mm -hmm. um, you know, to see a, a ranked, a guy ranked inside the top 10 and face back to back unranked opponents. It's a bit telling to me because you just don't see that very mm -hmm. often. I think the UFC kind of wants to see some change over in this middleweight division. Um, and they're trying to bring in some young talent and guys like Roman Delize and now Joe Pfeiffer. For, uh, you know, to kind of weed out some of these guys like Hermanson who have been hanging out in these spots for a while. And I think they see what I see and that, that this is a very favorable matchup for Joe Pfeiffer. Um, the guy hits like a truck, man. Broken Ganu's record at the PI for punching power. So he hits like a heavyweight. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's fast. He's strong. And despite Hermanson seemingly, I think a lot of people would think maybe having a grappling advantage. I don't think so. I think Pfeiffer may have even uh, an advantage there in terms of even the wrestling. You know, he trains at Marquez MMA there in Philly with the likes of Sean Brady, a lot of other guys there that are high-level jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. guys. I'm sure his jiu-jitsu is going to be on point, um, which is something as we discussed in the lead-up to the Dolize fight as something that gave Hermanson troubles when he was able to get Dolize down because he couldn't find the control, you mm -hmm. know, uh, in those positions. But I think for me, just most importantly, there's just a feeling or belief that I have that Joe Pfeiffer is a special talent. And again, to see a guy look like Dolize, who has the exact same experience as Joe Pfeiffer, literally the exact same amount. Well, Dolize now has one more fight than Pfeiffer. Um, to come in unranked and find a way that Dolize did uh, to beat a guy with Hermanson's experience, I see no reason why Pfeiffer can't and won't do the same thing. I think he dictates where this fight plays out, and I think he will ultimately get the win and finish. You know, extremely, uh, really impressed with some of his uh, takedowns against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Again, understanding, not going to win this, don't want to, you know, challenge or get into this whole, like, stand-up battle with this guy. Blasted through him with some really nice aggressive strong takedowns that mm -hmm. I think he can utilize here um, hard not to go with a KO TKO finish so let's do that and I'm going to say round one gets mm. it done early baby so, yeah yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting to see what this middleweight division has been. Um, it's kind of been their experimental ground of giving guys uh, ranked opponents out of nowhere. You had Abus, you had that Ikram Alaskarov uh, trying to book him, uh, you know, obviously pushing up Pfeiffer now. Like, they've definitely dug into that bag, which, to your other point about Bo Nickel, it makes it interesting to see, like, oh, so you don't want to give him these opportunities, Mr. I'm not going on uh, an undercard, all sure. these other things. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's what's playing against him in, in the UFC's eyes, too. And he is, like I said, to be fair, Boat does have one less fight than Pfeiffer. So maybe if that's what I'm saying is like, if nothing else, you know, I think we can kind of look at this Bo thing as like, or Pfeiffer thing is like, if Bo beats Brundage, it's got to be a top 10 opponent next. 
or else they're yeah, saying like maybe Pfeiffer. Who knows? Well, or they're to me, or they're saying like uh, maybe we just don't believe in Bo as much as Pfeiffer. You know, maybe they, they yeah. see more value. I don't know. Well, and you're not seeing as much because fight time, but that's why you think you'd book him more. But sure. either way, um, for Pfeiffer, man, I, I agree with you on the thing. Like the wrestling part, is especially, he's averaging almost three takedowns. He does have that power to him. Um, he has pretty good takedown defense as well. And I think you know I talked about it with Roman. It's like when you when Jack Hermanson can't get guys down and he's getting lit like. I mean, we just seen it in the fight. When Roman was getting lit up, lit up, he didn't have a good way of getting it to the ground. Sure. So he had to keep getting lit up until he found something, and then it didn't end mm-hmm. up work by that point. Hermanson could very well find himself in that same spot, getting lit up with some big shots or even being under Pfeiffer for a couple rounds, getting beat on. Now he doesn't have anything else. He's shooting naked. He's um, throwing, you know, punches for no reason just to try to get the takedowns and that can be dangerous against somebody like Pfeiffer yep. who's a finisher um I actually like both of your guys' calls on the first and second so I'm just going to go third round uh TKO by Joe Pfeiffer I don't think it goes past that because I just think he can weigh on Hermanson too much whether it is on top of him on the ground or just landing big shots yeah absolutely I like I said I I really see this as a favorable matchup for Pfeiffer um it's going to be interesting, though. Yeah, so either Manson does have the experience, you know. And what's interesting is either we're going to John it or he's going to triple Brandon it or turkey Brandon it. I don't know what we're going to call it. I don't know. <laughs> we're, I mean, Brandon's really dragging Once us. Once you get to four, that's a ham bone in bowling. <laughs> he's, so. Yeah, he's really dragging us into some uncharted terror and some really deep lows that we never thought we'd experience. Hey, it doesn't help the negative three deficit. That's all I'm saying. It's, oh, let me play the clip. I love it. I'm, I'm yeah. ready for it. I'm so hey. excited. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. All right. <laughs> Uh, I'm still standing. <laughs> As we mentioned, this is going to be the only fight we feature this week. Uh, it is a bit of a weaker fight night. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be watching or that these fights won't be excellent There's fights. Good names, that, just yeah, the matchups. yeah, it's not. Not to say that, you know, it's not going to give us something crazy to talk about next week, but I just don't think you guys want to hear us do a 15-minute breakdown of Dan Ige and Andre Feely. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured we'd rather do something like the Super Bowl MMA cards, uh, which we'll give to you guys next. Uh, but before we do, also on this card, as mentioned, uh, the co-main event, Dan Ige versus Andre Feely. Um, what a build-up for Feely, man, to get to this A bit of a crossroad for both of them, man. Mm-hmm. Like, EA needs a win. Feely's coming off a nice win, on his way up. Uh, Albert Durayev has a fight. Brad Tavares versus RoboCop <sighs> Gregory Rodriguez. That is going to be a bang mm-hmm. fest. That's that's the other fight I've, like, really got highlighted on this card. Michael Johnson returns against Darius Flowers. Hadolfo Vieira versus Armand Petrosian. Little striker versus grappler. Little classic. That feels like some old-school UFC striker versus grappler mm-hmm. there. Trevin Giles is on the undercard. Uh, let me see. There's an interesting last name for you. Loma Lukbunmi. Yep, yep. We've seen him fight. Devin Clark's on the undercard. Max Payne Griffin's on the undercard. Jeremiah Wells. Zach Paunga. Yeah. Paunga. Uh, and Daniel Marcos. Oh, I didn't know Daniel Marcos was on this. He was another 15 and 0, and you're the first card. Holy first cow, fight. I did not know. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Definitely turning in for the first fight there to see Daniel Marcos. I've talked about him before. I think ceiling is super, super high for Daniel Marcos. Uh, so. Definitely going to be watching that fight as well. Uh, with that, boys, let us move on and into our Super Bowl MMA cards. Um, in honor of it being Super Bowl week, which is the biggest show of the year for mm-hmm. American sports. I mean, 
nothing is bigger than the no. Super Bowl. Um, we decided to put together our grandiose, so to speak, MMA cards, the granddaddies of them all, um, but with a little bit of a twist because we, we decided what if there was no promotions to keep fights from happening and you could pit any mixed martial artist from any promotion against the other and like the Super Bowl, we could literally see the best versus mm-hmm. the best. Uh, so we are taking the lid off and giving you guys our biggest card that we would make right now. This doesn't me- necessarily meant to be uh, champion versus champion like the PFL Bellator card. Mm-hmm. This is just dream matchups that we would personally love to see. And with that, we will go ahead and start with Brandon. So are you giving me, you want me to give all of them? or Just, just... your first one. What, I, we all have five, right? I did four. Okay, I did, I five. did five. Okay, so you go ahead and kick us off uh, okay, with I, whatever fight would be like your like first at the bottom. fight. Yeah, what's your first fight? Okay, so at the bottom of my card, I have Gary Tonin, the lion killer from one, okay. and he will be up against Michael Chandler in the 155-pound mm. okay. division. I like it. Um, I think that's just a super fun fight because Tonin obviously has this crazy grappling he brings to every fight, um, and then Chandler is just a dog who will stand there and trade with anybody. But he's got enough wrestling to initiate some grappling. I just think it would be a fun Fun fight itself, but also a cool promotion to see these two. Um, I just think where they're at in their careers, it makes a lot. Of, it would make a lot of sense even doing that. Um, but I just think it would be really fun to see. Oh, Chandler's definitely backflipping out of something for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least once. I'm kicking my card off with a bit of a bang and some flash, and I'm going to go Cedric Dumbay versus Michael Venom Page. Uh, pretty obvious what I'm going for here. Um, this would just be the chef's kiss um, in terms of a striking matchup. I did consider Sadabusi for this as well, but for me, Cedric has a certain star quality um, that I think would just make this fight even bigger. Uh, maybe even Wonder Boy, you know, would be mm-hmm. a name th- to throw in instead of MVP. So maybe you do Sadabusi versus Wonder Boy on the prelims. Yeah. You know, whatever. They even teased that one before uh, Michael Venom Page officially signed with the UFC. Yeah. Remember having him yes, come out? Yeah. So. Um, and I know Doombay doesn't have the MMA experience that MVP does, uh, but does anybody here think MVP is coming into that fight looking for like a blast Tolock. double? <laughs> yeah, he does have one. There's just no way. Yeah. Um, and now, nah, just a fun fight that uh, it would be to just kind of kick off a big event like this. Nice. John, what do you got? So my first fight, starting it off with a big bang. I'm doing Derek Lewis versus Daniel James. We're taking this <laughs> okay. back. It's like a mirror match. It's going to be the best interviews, crowd favorites. Uh, there's no way they don't move some stuff around. <laughs> I, I love it. Little uh, slanging and banging off oh, top, dude. Huh? Can you imagine that? I mean, from what we've seen when we seen Daniel James in yeah. like Chicago, but their styles against each other would be great. Be fun. Brandon, what's your next fight? So the next fight, um, this one is going to be between Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and Shooka Sean O'Malley. Nice. Um, mm. I think, like, I'm pretty sure De- uh, John- Demetrius, since he's been at one, they technically fight at 133. Yes. So, so it's 135. One, yeah. yeah. So it's right about the same in terms of weight class. Um, O'Malley's a little tall, but I just think that. Demetrius is still kind of at the top of his game. He still looks really good um, when he goes out there and performs. And I think these two would be super fun because Demetrius is just so well-rounded. And mm-hmm. O'Malley's just that star that kind of pops a little bit in terms of any time he fights. And these two kind of a little bit, I guess you could almost say old school, new school at this, at this rate with where Demetrius sure. is at. So anyway, that would be my second fight on the card. My next fight is AJ McKee versus Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why of all the matchups that could be made at this weight class, I chose this one when I was doing it but man I just kind of when I wrote him out I just kept coming back to this one Mm -hmm. I just think it would be a phenomenal display of MMA and two guys uh, who could go in there and win a fight regardless of where it goes and I think it would just make for a very interesting fun fight 
Yeah. Uh, my second fight, I'm doing Vadim Nimkov and Tom Aspinall. I think two of the most well-rounded guys, um, with Vadim coming up from light heavyweight, he'll have some speed that Tom usually has that advantage on over other heavyweights. And I just think the, the matchup and the skill will be really, really big. Love it. Brandon, next fight. My next fight is actually Vadim Nimkov versus Alex Vajera. I, I think. Like it. Yeah, I think that I like the be, Vadim Nimkov love here from you guys. Yeah, I, well, and I think he's a standout, and then with him it. being big, and I just think mm-hmm. the matchup itself with Alex, too, would be really fun. Um, I think that, yeah, with those two guys, I, I could also see, it's funny you actually mentioned Aspinall. He was when I kicked around as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, Vadim and Alex, I just think there's a little bit of a distinction with Alex being the predominantly a striker as well. I just think it would be a good little, little add-in for those two. I love on the um, Demetrius Mighty Mouse the number of seconds it took Mighty Mouse to knock out Henry Cejudo episode that we're both giving Mighty Mouse some love here (laughs) because I too put Demetrius Mighty Mouse on my card but I put him in there against Alessandre Pantoja um, because I just see this one kind of the same thing I said with Dustin and AJ it's just a super high level mixed martial arts match I think it would be just Five rounds of nonstop action and pace. Um, I know Mighty Mouse, like Brandon said, fights at 35 now uh, with one's weight classes. I think it'd be fun to do it at white. I think mm-hmm. it'd be funner to do it at 35 because we've seen Pantoja's cardio and how it holds up at 25. So imagine how he would look at 35, man. You know, even though he's gassed, he still comes bombing forward. And mm-hmm. that extra 10 pounds would just make, I think, the fight even funner. Um, but, you know, also... Um, he still has Mighty Mouse. It's not like he's the size of like a traditional 35er. So he's, you right. know, you're still getting up in the weight class, but he's still the size of like a traditional flyweight or what we would consider in the UFC mm-hmm. as that. Um, and since uh, I went striking heavy on a lot of my matches, I actually picked this one because I think the ground transition would just be insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they got on the ground and started mixing it up, just take my money at that point. Uh, <laughs> it could also be interesting on the feet as well, but specifically doing this one for some scrambles. That's what I want. I want some scrambles eggs john what's your next fight for my third fight i'm doing alex Pajeda and yoel romero probably nice. two of the uh probably the second best stare down we'll ever see because yuri and alex have <laughs> Already that took it, yeah yeah but two of the scariest guys ever and i imagine this will probably be the most um tense clinch like you're just sitting on the edge of your seat like any at any moment these guys could land something huge uh obviously yoel isn't the same yoel that we've seen but if he can rise up to the occasion i think him and alex could be one of the scariest fights to watch and brandon what will be your main event what you got so hear me out right so this is the main event of a super bowl card and yes. what did you say how did you describe the super bowl it's the biggest the grandiose yeah and it's the biggest the granddaddy event, right? of them all the, yeah. yeah so i kind of had two options here both include john jones so his well, opponents you gotta pick one you can only have one I'm sorry <sighs> okay well one's a little more realistic than the other so i'm gonna go with the less realistic Three. one yeah <laughs> it's brock lesnar okay? okay i want to Whoa. see john jones and i want to see him fight brock lesnar at heavyweight i don't care about usada i don't want any drug no there's no drug oh, okay. testing no We're drug just, testing nope, in your this league is, this is just money yeah. money talks get these two right. into the octagon together five round main event as big as they want to be there's no 265 pound weight limit you just come in as as confident as you can and fight Alrighty, I like it. I so this will be my co-main event. Mm-hmm. I went Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Patchy Mix. Um, it's no secret that all three of us think that the Bantamweight division is one of the, if not the premier divisions in mm-hmm. mixed martial arts. And I think 
right now, for me, these two sit on top of that list, um, and I would relish to see them go toe-to-toe and see who comes out the winner, and then for Patchy Mix to also prove that he is the best bantamweight in the world. Uh, but that's mm. neither here nor there either. Uh, but yes, give me Sugar Sean yeah, O'Malley versus Patchy Mix, and the Patchy Mix would win, by the nice. way, just so everybody knows. <laughs> uh, John, what's your co-main event? So for my co-main event, we'll just bring it back around uh, because I have Demetrius Johnson versus Pantoja. <laughs> this was not planned. Yeah, no, I, I just think that um, I had no idea. I mean, I knew I put Mighty Mouse, but that wasn't why he made. Right. You know, somebody told me that, hey, you know, Mighty Mouse at 197 knocked out Henry Cejudo in two minutes and 49 seconds, which is 169 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Got to use that. What? What? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, same reasons. Uh, for you guys using Mighty Mouse, but for Pantoja especially, gives him a chance to um, match up against the cream of the crop of his old stomping grounds. Pantoja gets a chance to be the GOAT at his division, so I think that that would just be a huge fight. I like it. Uh, oh, yeah, Brandon, yeah, okay, that was yours. Okay, so coming back to my main event, I, too, like Brandon, uh, had to go as big as I could. Um, and, of course, right now there is no – I mean, Conor McGregor, how he didn't make it on my list, I don't know. Um, but – because he's probably the biggest mixed martial artist. Mm-hmm. But John Jones is definitely – second to that um so i went and i went with this because i think um it would be i don't think there's a fight bigger that you can make in mixed martial arts and that is john jones versus francis Ngannou. Mm-hmm. um again i get aspinall and all like i understand it but to me uh this fight was just being built to be something that i don't even know like if we were ready for it to be yeah. honest like a movie man. yeah and then you know with all the drama and how everything just kind of went down and then you know jones Resigning and then Francis walks away. You know, I would just like to see it all paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would just kind of be one of those fights. Uh, you know, you'd probably have to just kind of remind yourself to breathe every minute. <laughs> yeah. like, I just, I want to see it still. It has not died to me. Um, I'm still in your heart. It's still in my heart. So that, that would be my like big grandiose. Really surprised I didn't put Conor McGregor on here though. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of like fights, it's like, I mean, yeah. Maybe I could have done like him versus Patricky Pitbull or something mm-hmm. like that'd be yeah. cool. But I mean, no, Jones just, this has not been competitive in yeah. so long that it's just. I mean, in terms of like selling, yeah, maybe like him and MVP at welterweight or something. I mean, could yeah, be like, interesting. In terms of selling, like I understand putting Connor on it, but like, who would you match him up? Yeah. Yeah. Just with Super Bowl being like the bigger aspect right. to you. Yeah, yeah. For what it's worth, Jones and Ghana was my uh, my alternative that I, I had was a referring feeling. to. But what would be interesting for Connor is if you did it one style where you did like a kickboxing match against Maybe. somebody who's yeah, big, yeah, yeah, like that, that John Haggerty sure. or somebody like that. So for my main event, I knew you guys would pick Jones and Ngannou or Jones and somebody. So just to give some parity, I didn't pick them. Obviously, they I would be the that. biggest fight. So for my main event, and because it's a dream fight that we'll never see, I want to say it just like the John Jones and Francis. It's Usman Nurmagomedov and Islam Hakchev. Oh, there's no way they would do it. <laughs> uh, but I'm but I'm saying like in a in a dream scenario, that's sure. one of the biggest like skill for skill fights we could ever see. Uh, training room coming to the cage, a chess match of knowing each other's strengths and adjustments, and it'd be the closest to like an Islam Habib or Kane in DC in terms of long term long term training partners. But that fight would be crazy if we would ever get a chance to see that. Yeah. You like that uh, Spider Man meme where yeah, all just pointing at each other. Well, and, and they both have different <laughs> skill sets, but they're both the main training partner for the other one, I would imagine. So yeah. just to see who can make an adjustment would be uh, pretty crazy. I love it. I love it, boys. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. 
If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. Okay, so for the first thing I'm going to talk about, it's a little bit of a bigger setup, but it's just kind of so many things have snowballed. I just want to get your guys' ideas on this. Uh, an issue that's reared its head a little more often than the UFC would want has come back around. Um, as we have a few fights that Dana White announced recently that weren't met with confusion and miscommunication. The biggest one being Dustin Poirier, who earlier last week tweeted, my fight's off but still working, uh, putting MMA into a spiral, trying to figure out what happened to the fight with Dustin and Saint-Denis. Uh, Saint uh, later, Dustin corrected this situation by tweeting, sorry, folks, I jumped the gun. I couldn't get a hold of my manager for a few days. I just spoke with him and Hunter. Misunderstanding on my part. Fight's on. Uh, seems like the confusion was also on the financial side from Dustin. Um, the confusion caused some media to turn on Dana and calling him and the company out for announcing fights that haven't been signed yet, uh, giving themselves some leverage on the situation, which led to Dana clapping back and showing screenshots with uh, Benoit and, and stuff like that. But Dustin isn't the only one. Sean Brady had announced on his social media that yeah. he isn't healthy enough to fight against Vincente Luque at Atlantic City. Tatiana Suarez made a comment saying they were trying to rush her into doing a title fight at UFC 300 before she was healthy. And then last year we talked about how Aljamain felt pressured and rushed so although these situations all kind of ended up working themselves out what are your guys' thoughts on yeah this? I mean well the thing is there's no okay so maybe he had text messages for this but those text messages were also against Sandini and Dana and Dustin was the one saying right I never heard anything about I haven't agreed so like even his gotcha text message it's like okay but Sandini isn't the one saying like I didn't know about this fight like you're you're proving you talked to Sandini right but you had no proof of Poirier or anything I, I mean okay even if he had proof of that it's like the thing is is the reason why people are you know had so much to say about it is because it's not even the first time yeah. that this has happened not even close over the years where they've, the week. they've announced fight. I mean fighters have said that all the time like I found out about my next fight when it was announced through the media mm -hmm. on Twitter, mm -hmm. like whatever, um, when some random Twitter account had heard or had a source tell them, you know yeah. what I mean? So, it, yeah, it's not even this one thing, you know, it's just, there. there's just a lot of examples of it. I don't know what happened with the Dustin thing. I, to me, don't understand it. Maybe it was just a miscommunication with his management as he in, insinuated, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't do you think I don't think it's fair for the fighters either because it puts them in a spot to where you know if you say no to this fight that they announced you might put yourself in a, in a hole of not getting booked for another six months like I think it's really unfair for them because the UFC gains all the leverage of oh so you're going to say you're not going to fight them mm -hmm. that changes your character or how people might view you or even your booking later on when you want to get a fight or, or something like that okay so who do you think holds more weight in determining who fights who the UFC or the fighters themselves Told the UFC. Especially when the UFC can put it out in the media to people before the fighters can even have their say on it. I don't so do you think that's the way it should be, or do you think the fighters should be able to pick and choose who they fight? I don't think they should be able to pick and choose who they fight, but I don't think the UFC yeah. should be able to say, oh, he's fighting this guy for sure, and then that guy's like, wait a minute, we still got the contract. So just for, just for sake of argument, why shouldn't the UFC be able to do that? Because it's a, it's their independent contractors. They have to agree on something before the work is done. So that would be like me saying, oh, we're having Brock Lesnar on the podcast come in and Brock Lesnar never agreed to it. And then people are like, oh, dude, you don't even have that contract work out. But yet. you don't know anything about what kind of contracts they're signing in terms of saying well, we're fighting X number of times a year. Like we have no idea what's in those contracts determining who fights. Well, the who. UFC has to offer them like we, we do know this. They have to offer them. What is it? Two fights a year. Three. I think three. Generally three fights. Yeah. So there is that. Um. I, yeah, I don't think that fighters should be able to pick their opponents or else, you know, you would have like... 
Everybody just trying to fight Connor. Yeah, or yeah, or like Dustin would be. Well, I mean, I don't want to trying to get a title fight. I, I don't want to project yeah. this on anybody, but yeah, like if you're coming up, so like if you're a Moicano, you'll be like, you know, I'll fight some the unknown fight Habib guy. Like I'm just gonna try to stack wins and get wins and things like that. So that's where that would become a bit tricky. It does seem like once you become a champion, you do get a little bit more say, but I don't think until you've either made them a lot of money. Or have a, a belt on your waist, you get much say at all, mm-hmm. anyways. But what John's saying is true: is they are indiv- individually contracted, so it's not like you can just say like, like he's saying. Like, I mean, I can't just. But that could be true. Like, I don't see any reason why it's not. It could not be written in the contract of like of the three fights we offer you, you get pick on one of the three. Like the independent contract thing is leaves it so up in the air. That's how it works on the video and, game. And and so <laughs> specific to whoever's signing the contract. Like when you say that they're independent contractors, yes, but you have to understand they're independent. Like each one of their contracts looks different from the other. Right. So it's not like there's this blanket. Maybe there are aspects of the contract that are blanket in general for every fighter, but I, I there's still probably a lot of different ins and outs that other some fighters have, some don't based off yeah, how much money they make, how how big they are. So it's tough for me to say see like I understand the frustration with UFC putting out like a confirmed fight or potentially confirmed fight if it perhaps hasn't been, but I just struggle to see a good, I don't know if solution is the right word. We'll just wait till they sign the contract. But are they doing it also to pressure Yeah, it's leverage. That's what I was saying. It's like a leverage thing. Which that's not fair because if you get people excited about a fight and you're putting it out there um, just to get people excited about it, and then now you're kind of forcing you know, fighter A, Dustin Poirier, will say in this case, to fight a guy way lower ranked than him and been Wasson Denis. Well, what if he didn't, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to me, that's a bit unfair because then you're putting the pressure on a fighter to take a fight. Like, that's wrong. If they're doing that, which we'll never know the truth on if they're doing that uh, to try to leverage or different things like that. But, like, they shouldn't also be able to do that. I think... You know what I'm saying? Well, and I like, say, and I think too with the injury side, like Tatiana Suarez saying they offered me a tie. Like some of these you know, these fighters, that, that to me is very different from just some you picking a fight a fight for somebody and then maybe not be agree, agreeing who they're fighting. Like the injury thing, I can understand. Like don't push somebody. Yeah, and well, and out. I think most of them are. I mean, most fighters are always constantly a little bit injured. Uh, but I think that yeah. when you talk about fighters, most of them aren't getting paid unless they fight. So if they're like, "Hey, man, I need four more weeks," and UFC is like, "Well, we need a big fight card here, so we're just gonna throw." out there you know a week short of when you said you could even be ready now you're in a position of are you going to take this fight and get paid and fight injured or hold back and maybe we don't book you for another yeah, x I mean, amount of months I, I get that but it's at the same time that they put on fights every weekend it's like there's a lot of variables that go into play as far as that matchmaking like that's that's a whole paid position in itself right mm-hmm. like just to just to match up fights so there's a reason like you said that you don't have fighters picking and choosing all of who they fight maybe they get an option of you know we have these four potential opponents. You get the pick, the pick of the litter of those four or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, but I don't know. Or even like with Sean Brady, you just be like, guys, I'm not going to be ready. Uh, sorry to tell you, I'm not fighting because I'm still recovering. I need another you know couple weeks from the and, injury. And that, a lot of that could come down to the whole like miscommunication or lack of communication between fighters and UFC or management and UFC, and then who do you want to put blame on there? Is it the managers? Is it UFC? Is it the fighters? Like, who, communication is everybody's problem, right? Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like with Dustin, it was miscommunication with management, or at least that's, you know, the story mm-hmm. that we got. So uh, speaking of fighters not being healthy and ready to go, we now know what happened with Dominique Reyes, uh, with him having to drop out of his fight with Carlos Olberg. Reyes was asked why he pulled out, and he said, 
I ended up getting blood clots, deep vein, uh, deep vein thrombosis, thrombosis, I think is what it's called. Um, so yeah, I'm out for a minute, but I'm lucky to be alive right now. Uh, so that's always nice. Um, guess he had blood clots in his leg Jeez. that could have obviously cut off his, uh, his, his heart there. So speedy recovery to him. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we see this with fighters who kind of find things in camp or before a fight that luckily they found before they mm-hmm. went out there cause they could have got worse. So, yeah. Um, a couple of nice fight announcements. We got Paul Craig taking on Kyle Bohio at UFC 301 in May, which I believe is supposed to be in Brazil. Not sure. Um, I've just heard rumors of it because I've heard rumors of them wanting to do Jamal Hill and Alex there. But um, okay. big fight for Paul Craig to try to keep his name up and a big fight for Kyle to try to get a, a name under his resume. Um, and when the merger of the PFL and Bellator took place, we questioned what would become of the um, one of the Bellator promotion. Um, with Bellator, what are they going to be? Well, now we know that after the champ versus champ card, they are doing their first post-merger card for Bellator in Belfast. March 22nd will feature a fight between Corey Anderson and Carl Moore for the vacant light heavyweight title. Uh, no other details on the card at this moment, but it seems like they plan to ride it out with Bellator being its own thing. Still just not a fan of that, man. I just <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't see it working. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Yeah. I think they should just combine, make some crazy super roster the biggest names from both and just make it one product that um, everybody can follow, understand who's who, who's where, especially if you're just going to have them going over and fighting each other anyways. I mean, I just doing, you know, even if you like twice a year want to do these champ versus champ cards, I mean, you're really putting a lot. I mean, thank God everybody's healthy that they could even do or schedule those fights. Injuries are a real thing, you know, the, the likely, you know, I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but the likelihood that every single one of those champions is going to make it to that fight card is pretty low. Right. Just because injuries happen. Like, statistically, mm-hmm. the, the the odds of all those fights sticking together are kind of crazy as opposed to, like, if everybody's on the same roster and you're putting all your resources into one roster and doing, you know, events under one umbrella, like, I just think that's the way to go. But I'm not a business guy, nor am I a promoter or anything else. So I feel like they probably looked at Bellator and Ryzen doing co-events with champions and being able to bring them back to each other by keeping both belts alive. Essentially, you get to yeah, kind but of bring we're talking that. about two promotions, though, that I mean, it's not like in. that's not working in terms of catching up to the UFC. (laughs) And it's like, if that's your goal, you know, is to just always be number two and three to the UFC. I mean, okay. Yeah. Fair. But I mean, if you want to put some heat on them and, and really truly give people another product, they just, I feel like you got to bring it under the same umbrella, man. And trying to, trying to do these two promotions. I mean, it's just, it's two separate brands. I mean, we've seen it work with SmackDown and Raw. Yeah, <laughs> that's about the only way. I guess, but I, I think what this is telling me though is that this champ versus champ isn't going to be for the other promotions belt. It's just to see which champion right. is better. No, for sure, and, and I get that. But I mean, even like with the SmackDown versus Raw comparison of, um, but they're under WWE, so like, there's no, to my knowledge, there's not like PFL and Bellator under fighting ink or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. So if Phil makes some name up or whatever, like. And plus, I feel like with those, the SmackDown Raw comparison, I was like, those are two things that you see weekly. Right. So, you know, 
exposure is a big thing there for yeah, those. Yeah, I think for Bellator, they said they only wanted to do like 10 cards a it's year. It's just not, that. yeah, it's not going to be enough. It's not yeah. going to be enough for people to really remember and I, I think to follow to where you're, are people even going to care? <laughs> well, it sounds like you're kind of only going to use Bellator to, to build those champions and all of your like building stuff is going to go through because PFL has their own kind of proving ground type of um, promotions as well. So I'll, Maybe I'll, with the 10 cards a year, they haven't, that with it being so small in terms of the number they're putting out, they have more resources to pull into those 10 cards to make them a little bigger yeah yeah could be all i can say is i'm a fight fan and if you want my interest just consistently put on the biggest best fights you can and Mm -hmm. how you do that is just you've got the people there start putting them together and like don't separate them you know because we've already seen how long has bellator and pfl ran you know together at the same i mean we've seen this for six seven years and it it's not really done much. Yeah. So, but, but good good opportunity for Corey Anderson to get a hold of the sure, belt. Obviously, yeah. him and Nimkov had some really big fights with each other. Um, with and with Vadim Nimkov going up to heavyweight, he kind of has a little right. bit clearer of a path there. Uh, and the last thing I have is Tyson Fury announced that his title fight with Alexander Usyk will not that was scheduled for February seventeenth will now be moved to March after Fury got a huge bad cut above his eye in training. The fight will be moved to March. Big cut. Bad cut. I saw that. that. He looked pretty fit. I saw a picture of him. He did. I noticed that too. Some abs. Yeah, he was looking in good shape. Um, Seems like, really, man, he's kind of interestingly enough, as I feel like uh, Francis Ngannou and Anthony Joshua is going to happen. Yeah, no. There's uh, just not much left to really do other than that. Francis uh, tweeted after Fury did... Uh, had to say they changed it. He said, like, basically, I can put like a meme up and was like, hey, me and Anthony Joshua for the vacant yeah, you know, title. Nothing left to do. I mean, and what a moment that would be for Incognito, mm. <laughs> especially when he was told by Dana White that it would never happen. Uh, I think I think him and Joshua are <laughs> for sure going to happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, and because even like this Fury announcement, the announcement of the fight being moved and all that was made by like the head of the Saudi entertainment, whatever. Yeah. So there was investors you know, obviously are having their say in everything. So I definitely think that's something that they want to see. Alrighty, John, Song of the Week, what do you got? For Song of the Week, I am going with, I have it right here, uh, Earthquake by Coop. Alrighty. <clears throat> and let me just say, Brandon. <laughs> did you did you use it? Hold on. Did, hang on, did you use it? In the story I and did. I, and, yes. me, and, and I want to apologize, yes. honestly apologize to anybody. <laughs> that I had no idea that's what that song was. Um, and had I have known, yeah. there's no way I would have let Brandon uh, pick that as song of the week. And I have a question. When John, when you did, that song was so bad. I mean, it's just not, I mean, forget the content matter of it or what they're saying. It's just a horrible song. Nobody is going to listen to that song. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even one that you would like ride around and listen to. Yeah, if, right. you, if, I, if we pull up to a stoplight and your window is down, no, and nobody's that was listening to it. That's yeah. just, it, it, all that song was done was to create, was created Clicks. to make people mad. Mm-hmm. And I could, I'm just so over that crap. And if I would have known <laughs> that's what the song was, I would have never let Brandon pick it. So let me apologize for that. I will apologize for Brandon. <laughs> When you picked Ray J, <laughs> One Wish, which, which I, is uh, hey, is a good song. <laughs> okay, it's a good song. You would listen not to the it. Point of Song of the Week. Did you serve a one week suspension from Song of the Week? Um, no, no, I don't okay. think so. 
Because equal opportunity, Brandon was going to serve but, a suspension for how bad that song was. So <laughs> I couldn't remember. You didn't even feel like at least related to the fact that I have a segment on the show called Facts Don't Care About Your Feeling. It's and not then, even facts. What? No, that's not the point. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't choose that song for what it was. I literally chose that song because Ben Shapiro is featured in it. And I have a segment on the show called Facts. That's the does only have the reason quote I, of him in it. It. I mean, I think fair. you're getting a little, I think you're getting a little too lost I mean, in fair. the artist. How many times did you listen to it? The one time. Yeah, because that's about all you could take of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible. It was removed. And, and I did put in the story, by the way, Brandon chose this song just in case people weren't. There and, you go. and we have been keeping. Let me ask we, this. We, hold on. We have been keeping all of our Song of the Weeks on a Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. And I told John, do not put that. So I want nothing to do with that Which, song. Which, by the way, let's talk about that for a second. So what's the purpose of Song of the Week? So oh. it's supposed to be like something like uh, like the way I envision it. If you go back, the whole point of it was like something you could walk out to in a fight. Like, and that's why like the whole one wish thing with John is like John. That's not the point. But you pick, would you pick Christmas songs before during Christmas? Sure. Like we do. There are times where we peel off and we'll do like something festive. Ray J was my peel off, dude. <laughs> okay, fair enough, I guess. But you'll never <laughs> do another R and B song. And at least I did Feliz Navidad, which I would walk out to. So that's on that, I'd walk out to Ray J. On that playlist, there's two. It says songs added by John, and then it says songs that we've added. Have you? Is that? Spotify that adds them? No, um, I was telling him our Spotify is through our Podbean, which kind of puts everything on all the platforms. So I don't necessarily have access to our exact um, Spotify to make the playlist. That's why I've made it on my personal, and I just add songs to it from there. So, the so you songs can still look are, it up. So the songs that are on that playlist, the Neon Belly playlist on Spotify, are only songs that we or that you have added. that we've picked since the beginning. Okay, of the so year. they're not random songs. No, people can't just go on there and Spotify can't do it. Yeah, either. no. Okay, okay. Yeah. Only we can take and we can put on and take away. So. But what I don't want song of the week to be is some like crazy radical song that just is created to just separate people and make so it be like a feel good portion. Of the show, like something just cool. Can you ruin that? He, he, when he said it was his trigger thing, he was, he was being honest. Oh, dude, it's just, I'm like, I was telling John, like, uh, like as, as equally tired as I am of like this whole like cancel culture and woke culture and like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that. Believe me, I'm just as tired of people like Tom McDonald and that. Ben Shapiro or whatever, whoever. I don't even could barely. By the time I got to Shapiro, I was like, this is so dumb. Um, I was like, you could have chose a VeggieTales song at that point. That's basically the level it was on. But like people like that, I'm just equally tired of people like that that feel they need to pander to people that are anti that. Like it just, it's like, let's just stop. It's just silly. It's so stupid. And you only exist to piss people off. And mm-hmm. that like to me is just, I don't understand well, It's that. funny because that's literally what he said in the song too, right? Right. Isn't that what he said? I don't even know. I, I don't, sure. don't that's, even, that's actually a lyric. Literally, as quickly as I listened to that song, like 40 seconds, that it was probably out of my head and like less than that. I was like, this is just terrible. Are you sure? Well, yeah. when I had to when I had to make a, a loop to pick to choose on the story, it starts like at a, the beginning. What do you, wait, wait. So, oh, so like a certain part. Yeah, it'll be like 10 played. seconds. What would you pick? I don't even know what you I had picked. To, I had to go to the chorus because the first like 10 seconds, Seconds, it's like <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. not apologizing because I'm white, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, let's move up, let's move up, move, move up. <laughs> so I had to go to the chorus. Uh, so I apologize. That song has nothing to do with this podcast, <laughs> or at least me and John. I don't know. Maybe that's more Brandon's views or something. But uh, as far as us, that yeah, if you guys want to, if you guys want to go to the Tom McDonald concert, yeah, hit up Brandon. Does not reflect our views or anything on this podcast. And I'm sorry. I didn't genuinely know what it was, or I would have stopped it from happening. So I should. When I heard Tom McDonald, I should have just like no. I should have just. Well, you heard you didn't have to post it on the story or anything. I know, and I didn't even listen to it before. And if I would have known, I would have told John, do not post that song. Um, 
which I guess we could get on John for that. Well, I don't listen. I didn't listen to it until the morning. John, I do it at work. Guy, John's also the guy that picked Ray J. One Wish. Brandon, what is your one for the people? Uh, one for the people. I do, so my kid's at the point now where he's figured out how to buy stuff on the TV. Oh, yeah. We, we just <laughs> now found, we have two TVs, but for the podcast, you bought, we, the, you bought the next three pay per views. Yeah, we, we found in Spanish three, three different <laughs> yeah. three different movies he's bought. Um, what? Yeah, three. Luckily, they were like four or five dollars or something like that. Oh. But but it was still like, okay, how is he doing? He's doing this when we don't even know. Because yeah. I see him if he's got the remote and I take what? it. So I don't know when he's doing this. And I don't, I've got to figure out ways to lock down yeah, the I profile. Bet, I bet got to put a password on Ash buying stuff, man. Buy, I bet I, if I gave Ash the remote and was like, buy something on here. I don't even know if she would know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, so that's a problem I'm dealing with right now. So that if anyone's me. got any uh, advice on how to lock that Have stuff down. Have you talked down, to him about it? Yeah, he doesn't talk back. He just, <laughs> he just says no, Dada. Like, no. I seen this video of a, a girl, a little girl whose grandma told her that Chuck E. Cheese was closed and she walks up to her with her cell phone and says, grandma, listen, uh, Alexa, is grandma, is Chuck E. Cheese closed? And it says, no, they're open for another two hours. And she just sits there and looks yeah. at her. So this uh, new generation is going to have yeah. a, be tough. a yeah. lot of tough stuff going on. John, what's your one for the people? I, so I seen this um, advertisement for uh, an MMA thing in Nashville that I hope just like blows up and we start covering it because it's armored MMA uh, medieval style. I think I've seen clips the medieval of that. cage fights. It's in Nashville, so uh, there's a chance that we might just have to end up going down there and seeing it. Cool. Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen clips from it. Brandon has completely drifted out of frame again. Literally, all yeah, yeah. I mean, just it's just absolutely insane God. at this point. Like he's just a rebel, dude. I, I think I'm just gonna have to take the wheels off that chair. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> or sweet, you guys are gonna have to. Well, the sweet, the sweet tea doesn't help either. That's true. Yeah, yeah dude, I'm just forgetting. like I, I don't like sitting. Like my job, for those of you who don't know, I sit in a chair all day and talk mm -hmm. to people. I hate sitting. There's multiple it, times throughout the day I have to get up, and move. Maybe we I need to like get sitting. him one of those things that like track you while you walk around. Just let him stand up and pace in the corner <laughs> while we talk. So yeah, that'd be a good idea. Already come back next week. We will recap Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Hermanson, and you need to come and find out if Brandon is still negative or not. That's going to be the story. And then we will get you set up with our picks and predictions for UFC 2. You always got to respect William Montgomery. <laughs> we'll get you set up with our picks and predictions for UFC 297 and more. And see what you guys in the next one. Peace.